not lose it in the realm of your behavior. So when people say, well, it's all right to think about those things, just don't do them, what are they gonna, what's going to happen? They're going to start doing them. They're going to start doing them. Um, but in Matthew 23, 25 to 28, it just talks about sin originating in the heart. Jesus gives an example of this in Matthew 5, 27 and 28. Jesus says this, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks on a woman to lust for her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. Now let me say this. It does not mean that um, lust is as bad as physical adultery. Okay? So there should be nobody who says, Well, I already committed adultery in my mind. I might as well do it in act. No. No. A physical adultery is much worse than heart adultery, but heart adultery is still sin. And so, uh, sin originates in the heart. That's why Romans 12:2 Paul tells us uh, that we need to have our minds renewed. We need to be transformed, not outwardly conformed to the world, but be inwardly transformed by the renewing of our minds. Well, you got to you got to allow the Lord to clean house on the inside. And when people like Tony Kampala pretend to be friends of, of homosexuals and, and, and encourage them, say, well, you know, hey, we'll just accept you the way you are, just stop the practice, but it's all right to dwell on those thoughts and, and to have those desires. There's nothing sinful about that. He's just leading them down the, the path of destruction. And that's too many times I hear about Christians referring to themselves because of some modern psychological theory that, uh, oh yeah, that guy, yeah he's, uh, he's a good Christian, loves the Lord, but he's addicted to immorality. Or he's addicted to this, or he's addicted to that. Hey, if you're a true follower in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that you can say no. If you're a true follower of Jesus Christ, you're not addicted to anything other than Jesus, which isn't an addiction, it's life. It's true life. Um, but sin originates in the heart. Now, uh, John 3.16, we don't even need to turn there. We all know what the verse says. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16 tells us that God loves sinners. I'm glad He loves sinners because I fall in that category just like you do. Okay? But God hates the sin. And we've got to have the same attitude as him. We have to love homosexuals. We should even invite homosexuals to our church. We have to love them but hate their sin. Okay? Now, and I will say this too, you know, if, if I was, if I was going to, if there was some guy who thought he was Don Juan, uh, sexually promiscuous, heterosexual, and he came to the church, <clears throat> if I thought that a warning needed to be given to the ladies of the church, I would give that warning, okay? But uh, if there's someone who's a sinner who is willing to listen to the gospel message and uh, to give some thought to accepting Jesus Christ, then that's who we need to bring in. Uh, contrary to popular belief, it is not our job to empty out other Bible-believing churches and fill up ours. We're supposed to be emptying out the world. I know this kind of sounds... Sounds kind of radical, and, you know, God forbid we might get a reputation like Jesus had that he hung out all the time with sinners. He had sinners in transition. 
sinners who were looking for a Savior. Sinners who knew that sin is death, and they were looking for life. And when this guy Jesus showed up on the scene, they knew they found him. And, uh, but, uh, but I'll tell you, if, if, you, if you're going to say, hey, to the homosexual, continue to do what you want to do. It's, it's just an alternative lifestyle. Go right ahead. Uh, you're not being a friend to him. That is not true love. True love seeks the greatest good for another, even if, the, if it's going to offend that person. If, if, I was, if I was blindfolded and I was walking towards the edge of a cliff, and Scott Mormon looked at me and said, you know, I'd like to grab him, take the blindfold off, show him he's walking off the edge of the cliff so I could save his life, but I might hurt his self-esteem. If he finds out he's going in the wrong direction, might embarrass him, might hurt him. So I'm not going to know. True love, he's going to grab me, he's going to pull the blindfold off and show me where the error of my ways and turn me back and, and save me. And that's what we need to do with the homosexual community. Not ju I mean, it would be great if we could lead them to Christ. That would be fantastic. Um, but uh, even if there was nothing else but just public health issues alone, that's enough incentive. To this guy that I debated, Reverend Farley Maxwell, his uh, stepson, was a practicing homosexual. And I told him, I said, if you really love him, you would be pleading with him to get out of that lifestyle. And the guy, all he wanted to talk about was love, love, love. I told him, I said, you know, we are not experts in love. We're experts in this thing called sin. God's the expert on what love is, because God is love. So when you want to find out how to apply love in a particular situation, read what the Bible says to do in that particular situation, because God's the expert in love. And God gives us lots of advice about how to deal with the sin of homosexuality. Um, but basically, we must hate the sin, uh, but love the sinner. So we should share our faith with homosexuals, and we should long to see them saved and their destructive lives transformed through God's power. Now the question comes up, is homosexuality genetic? Is homosexuality genetic? Uh, first, we just, I just need to state this, there is no real evidence for this claim. I mean, the studies that have been done that supposedly have proven that homosexuality is genetic, okay? Uh, the studies that have been done usually deal with about 35 or 40 different cases, okay? And uh, sometimes only five or six of these cases are actual homosexuals. Uh, so they're small samples. And the effects of AIDS on the human anatomy, i.e. on the brain, are not taken into account. So when they see in homosexuals that died of AIDS, something that's a little bit bigger, a little bit smaller in the brain, uh, they assume that therefore they've had, there was something different genetically and that type of thing. So there was no real solid evidence for that. In fact, there's some good evidence against it. For instance, the case of identical twins. Identical twins have the exact same genetic code. Yet very often you find one of the two identical twins, one of them is heterosexual and the other is homosexual. Well, if, if genes were a factor, it could not be the only factor. I mean, that's, that's the, the least we can get from that, and the, the most you could argue that maybe it's no factor at all. Uh, but the fact of the matter is it's probably a learned behavior. Most homosexuals were abused by a member of the same sex when they were in their teens. Um, 
But whatever the case, even if it was genetic, the Bible teaches believers, true believers, can say no to sin. Metanoia Ministries out of Seattle is evidence of that. Uh, but also Psalm 51.5 says that we were all sinful from the moment we were conceived. We're all conceived and born as sinners, but God still requires that we turn to His Son Jesus for salvation, and then He'll clean us up. So uh, even if uh, homosexuality was, was genetic, uh, Jesus Christ can still set us free. Uh, Romans 6, verses 17 and 18 uh, tells us that those who come to Christ are no longer slaves to sin, now we're slaves to righteousness. So if somebody was a slave to homosexuality once they accept Jesus, they can say no to that sin. Uh, John chapter 8, verses 31 to 36, Jesus said that everyone who sins is a slave to sin, uh, but uh, if, you, if the Lord Jesus Christ, if the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And so the Lord Jesus Christ is in the business of setting people free from sin, even uh, the sin of homosexuality. But I want us to look at 1 Corinthians 10.13. 1 Corinthians 10.13. The Apostle Paul is talking to believers, and he says this, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, that you may be able to endure it. Basically, Paul says, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you can say no to sin. And he doesn't leave any exceptions there, and so that includes the sin of homosexuality. If you lead a homosexual to Christ, if he genuinely accepts Christ, he can say no to sin. So the, the question of whether it's genetic or not, I think the evidence is against it, but even if there was evidence for it, uh, you could still, uh, it, it's still clear from the Scriptures, once you accept Christ, you can now say no to that practice. The next question I want us to look at is, uh, should homosexuality be legal? The Bible calls it a sin. The Bible calls it an abomination. Uh, but there are certain sins that uh, should not be illegal, that are just a, kind of a, a question of a person's faith and that type of thing. Uh, I think from the passages we looked at, Leviticus 18, homosexuality defiles a nation. It brings God's judgment on them. It destroys the health of a nation. Um, Romans 1, 24 to 27 talks about the fact that homosexual, homosexuals receive in their own persons the penalty for their sin. It, it is a, an unhealthy lifestyle that will destroy the health, both the moral and the physical health of a nation, and therefore some actions need to be taken. I think we ought to go back to the... Uh, old laws that were against homosexuality. Basically, not only do you have AIDS, but you have also over 300 other gay-related diseases. Just two of them I'll mention, hepatitis B and tuberculosis. And these, unlike AIDS, supposedly, this is what we're being told, unlike AIDS, you know, they say AIDS can't be spread through casual contact, hepatitis B and tuberculosis can. When you heard about, in, in, you know, tuberculosis used to be a thing of the past. Once we had the vaccine, that was it, man. You know, it was over. 
all of a sudden it's creeping back up. In Seattle, a whole bunch of kids in a Seattle school came down with it. Uh, the homosexual community is spreading hepatitis B and tuberculosis. In fact, I don't, I don't remember the exact stats, but it was, it was based on uh, the study from the disease Center for Disease Control in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, I think it was as high as 70% of homo practicing homosexuals in San Francisco. Now, keep in mind, San Francisco is, is probably the most radical homosexual area in the country. But I believe 70% of them uh, had either AIDS, hepatitis B, tuberculosis, or some other major uh, sexually transmitted disease, at least at one time in their lives. So uh, the homosexual community is a breeding ground for diseases. Uh, the life expectancy. Now, remember they laughed at Ellen Craswell in the high school. Um, she was quoting from a study from Paul Cameron, and Dr. Paul Cameron can't be trusted because he's opposed to uh, uh, gay rights. Well, Paul Cameron, the liberals love Paul Cameron when he speaks. He's the, he's the guy that uh, did all the, uh, the cutting-edge research to prove uh, that secondhand smoke can cause damage and all. So the liberals love him for that, but then they reject him when they, when they looked into his other studies which deal with cases of about, I think he had over 7,500 uh, obituaries that he examined. Basically, the life expectancy of a homosexual male is 42 years if he doesn't get AIDS, 39 years if he does. Now, that's not a very long life. Now, married heterosexual males, uh, the life expectancy is 75 years. So even if a homosexual doesn't get AIDS, he's, he's taken about 33 years off his life expectancy by engaging in the homosexual lifestyle. Now with smoking, you're talking five to ten years. And you're getting all these, all these legislation and uh, all these politicians who want to slam the smoking industries. And I really don't have a problem with that, to be honest with you. I know some, some conservatives do have a problem. I don't have a problem with that so long as first... Let's talk about stopping the lifestyle that cuts a guy's life in half first. If you have a relative who's a homosexual, this alone, even if you weren't a Christian, this alone should be enough for you to encourage them to stop. With, with lesbians, the life expectancy is, is 44 years. Yet, uh, married heterosexual females' life expectancy is 79 years. So again, you have about 33 years uh, off their uh, life expectancy. Uh, you know, we tell people, you know, don't eat, you know, don't eat too much fat, don't drink too much alcohol, uh, you got to quit smoking, you know, and stuff like that. When, when are we going to see somebody on CNN bring out all the established medical facts and the, the, the public health issues that deal with the homosexual lifestyle? It's not politically correct to do that, so we probably will not hear that in the near future. Uh, it, it is probably... That and, and uh, shooting drugs intravenously are probably the two most uh, unhealthy lifestyles that you could possibly... I mean, I mean all you've got to do is go back to Deuteronomy. Uh, God said, tells Moses to command the people when it's time to go to the bathroom, go outside the camp, dig a hole, go to the bathroom in the hole, bring a shovel with you, cover it up with dirt, and then go back into the camp. 
sanitation. Um, that's the reason why Africa is coming up with so much with AIDS, not, not because of a big homosexual problem, but because the sanitation is so bad. Um, and and it, it's spreading left and right through those means. Uh, but uh, basically, it is not a healthy lifestyle. It, it is unclean. It, homosexuality is actually a form of sadomasochism. I want to get through the next part real quick. I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but I want us to know what goes on uh, throughout the majority of the, of the, of the homosexual community. Uh, the sodomy, the homosexual act, anal intercourse, um, medical statistics show that, you know, anal intercourse destroys the immune system. The anus was not meant to take uh, penetration. Uh, it's, it's pretty obvious God created the anus for, 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 to, to remove harmful waste material matter from the body um, not for uh, uh, objects to penetrate it. Uh, the ingest ingestion of, of feces, uh, I was, uh, they call it, the homosexual community refers to it as rimming. I was uh, appalled. I did not know that, uh, that human beings would, would uh, ingest human waste, but that's a common practice. Uh, the drinking of, of urine, uh, they're referred to as golden showers in the homosexual community. Uh, they urinate on one another, sometimes they will, they will drink it. Uh, um, and then fisting, uh, insertion of one's fist into another's anus. Uh, you know, the, well, most heterosexuals would find these things as being uh, almost unbelievable. But I'm just telling you what the, the norm is within this community. I've done enough research to where I've seen some things that are way beyond this that I cannot uh, even come close. I mean, it takes a lot of guts just to say what I've already said. There's a lot of things that are a lot worse than that, that that sometimes I had to actually put down the book I was reading and and just go outside, go for a walk, get a little break, because uh, you really start to realize, just like with the world of the occult and with the world of sexual perversions, you start to find out just how far man can get from God. And, uh, uh, you know, James Dobson... Uh, was on the commission that uh, looked into pornography and stuff like that. And, you know, he, he he saw some of the photographs of some of the perversions that are going on, and it, it nearly broke him. Uh, but uh, even gay bars and gay bathhouses, homosexuals who frequent gay bars and gay bathhouses, on the average, they, they would have over over 500 sexual partners in a lifetime. Uh, most of them are anonymous. Um, um, if they frequent gay bars and gay bathhouses on uh, on a regular basis, it's not uncommon for them to have sexual relations with a hundred different partners per year, and they might do that for 20 or 30 years. Uh, this is why AIDS is spreading so rapidly. You know, by the way, all this talk about safe sex. The, the Bible talks about safe sex, but safe sex is one man, one woman, one lifetime. That's it. Anything outside of that. You're playing Russian roulette with your life and the, and the lives of others. Um, but anyway, uh, many homosexuals, uh, I would not say the majority, but many, there are homosexuals out there that target children and teenagers. There's an organization called NAMBLA, which uh, stands for North American Man-Boy Love Association. 
and uh, they, they support all sex between consenting persons regardless of the age. Now, you might think, well, they're fly-by-night. No. In the, the gay pride parades in New York and San Francisco, they fly their banner and they've got their representatives that walk in the parade and wave at everybody. And, uh, and you know, I guess they're saying, you know, we want your sons or whatever. But, uh, but they are uh, a powerful organization within the gay community. And, by the way, there was a... In Nazi Germany, there, among the Nazis, there was a, a contingent that was real, real big on that. Uh, just one more passage I want us to look at, Genesis 19. Genesis 19. Uh, we're being told over and over again that the homosexuals are victims. I just want to let you know that uh, the case is usually the other way around. Um, widespread homosexuality can become violent. Uh, that was so in the case of Sodom, the city of Sodom in Genesis 19. Um, it says, Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening as Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. And, and then he, you know, he asked them... Uh, to stay at his house. And uh, verse 4, and by the way, okay, so these two angels are sent from God, but they, you know, appear as men. They look like men. Verse 4, Genesis 19, Before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, surrounded the house, both young and old, all the people from every quarter. And they called to Lot and said to him, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may have relations with them. But Lot went out to them at the doorway and shut the door behind them and said, Please, my brothers, do not act wickedly. Now behold, I have two daughters who have not had relations with man. This was not, I don't think this was the, uh, a godly thing for Lot to do. Uh, it was a custom back then that if anything bad happened to one of your guests, was staying at your house that would you know really reflect badly on you but uh for him to throw his daughters to the wolves i do not think would it was the, was the godly thing to do please let me bring them out to you and do to them whatever you like only do nothing to these men inasmuch as they have come under the shelter of my roof now he also knew that these guys came to him from god so uh but uh whatever the case you know the angels weren't going to have any problem defeating these guys but they said, stand aside. Furthermore, they said, this one came in as an alien, and already he is acting like a judge. Now we will treat you worse than them. So they pressed hard against Lot and came near to break the door. But the men reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with, blinders, with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves trying to find the doorway. Uh, this was one of the reasons why God devastated Sodom and Gomorrah, was homosexuality had become rampant. But think, these guys were not interested in ladies and having relations with ladies. They wanted to have, they were basically hom militant homosexual men. Sodom is an example. There's other examples throughout history. The ancient Greeks, the Spartans. I did not know that, that they were a, a, a military fighting force of militant homosexuals. Uh, 
the Cretans as well. There were several different cultures. Remember when Paul talks about how the Cretans are a bunch of liars? and uh, These guys, lying was like the least of their problems. Uh, uh, and it's probably why Paul said what he said, because the, the reputation was so bad. Uh, but Plato, Plato was a great thinker, but Plato basically said that the, he encouraged men having sex with uh, young boys around the age, the adolescence age, and uh, he ba basically argued that the, the most fierce army, the unbeatable army, would be an army made up solely of homosexuals who had allegiance to no woman whatsoever and just was bonding with other males and, and, and all. And, uh, um, and uh, some of the guys that really liked what he had to say there and they considered themselves superior to others were a, a lot of the guys in Germany that, that founded the Nazi the movement in, in Nazi Germany. When I, I, when I, I have to admit, when I read about the stormtroopers and the SS of Nazi Germany, I was shocked. Um, but keep in mind, the homosexual lifestyle is sadomasochism. It is by, you know, God, we are like God when we are creative. We are like the adversary when we are destructive. And, uh, um, but even, uh, you can even go further, there's an extremely high percentage of homosexuals among serial murderers. Uh, people like Jeffrey Dahmer, who murdered, raped, and ate the parts of 17 uh, different boys and men. Uh, Henry Lucas, John Wayne Gacy, Donald Harvey, Patrick Carney, Bruce Davis, Juan Corona. Uh, the, the Russian guy, uh, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce his name. He was bisexual. But in 1992, when the book was written, the, the statistics that I got from the top six United States male serial murderers were all homosexuals. When's the last time you heard that uh, on CNN? Um, we we're always told homosexuals are, you know, they're just the victims, the meek victims that just want their rights. The fact of the matter is, homosexuals, they do not make up 10% of the U.S. population like they claim. They make up less than 2%. So when you see such a high percentage of vicious serial murderers, uh, it shows that there is a sadomasochistic, violent uh, temperament uh, that can basically uh, become widespread within the homosexual community. Uh, I would recommend... Uh, Scott Lively's book, The Pink Swastika, if you really want to find out. There's a lot of different anti-Christian movements right now. If you put all these pieces of the jigsaw puzzle together, uh, I believe the obvious overall message is, the bigger picture is, that what occurred in Nazi Germany, what occurred in Germany to take over by the Nazis, is occurring today on a worldwide scale. And uh, now I know the guys at Christian Research Institute, um, they don't agree with me. They would call me a flake on something like that and all. But I'll tell you, uh, if they agree with me on all the different pieces, I think all they need to do is put those pieces of the puzzle together and uh, they would see that uh, what occurred in Nazi Germany is today occurring on a worldwide scale. And uh, if the church refuses to take a stand for what is right, um, this world is going to go down real quick. Of course, we have the blessed hope, uh, the glorious return of the Lord Jesus, who will defeat the Antichrist and his one world government. 
Um, um, but uh, this world is going down real quick, and I don't think we should continue to ignore it. Uh, in conclusion, we are to love the homosexual, but hate his or her sin. We should plead with them to flee their lifestyle, their sinful lifestyle, before it destroys them, you know, physically as well as spiritually. And therefore, we should share the gospel message with homosexuals, recognizing that as horrible as their sin is, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ can set them free, just as he set us free. Uh, but uh, it doesn't help them to condone their sinfulness. It doesn't help any hell-bound person, and we were all hell-bound until Jesus saved us. It doesn't help any hell-bound person to pat them on the back and pretend they're going to heaven when we know that apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, none will be saved. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, in Jesus' precious name, we just thank you, Lord, for your, for your word and, and uh, for the principles that you've, you've given us there. And, and Lord, I just pray that if there's anyone in this room at all uh, who, who assumes that he or she can find joy outside of your will,